0: All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode, and I'm here with literally a, a brand new, I'm, I'm going to call you friend, Devin, because I, I consider our guest friends brand new friend of mine. Devin Robinson has made time to hang out with us today, and uh, I really appreciate you doing that for us, Devin. Heck yeah, man. I'm pumped to be here. And you're based in, uh, I've been telling our listeners I need to do a better job of kind of actually introducing our guests versus just diving straight into conversation. So you're based in Charlotte. Is that correct? Charlotte, North Carolina?
1: Yep. Yep. Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been here for about eight years now, I guess. So I'm from LA, Uh, moved out here to play baseball in college. And then uh, just now I am living in Charlotte and my wife and I live here and we are fostering. So we recently just got our first placement, which we're really pumped about. Oh. He's an amazing, it, uh, it's difficult, but it's been really, really rewarding. Congrats on that.
0: And, and by the way, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and share your Instagram account. It's just anchor and veil V E I L for those of you listening in. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes, but I three posts ago. So this is a post for those of you listening in a little bit later, I guess on, well, just at the end of April, there's, there's a picture, beautiful image, by the way, of of your new foster child um it looks like he's washing the the bicycle down after a ride
1: yeah that that actually was literally the first day we got him and he wanted to go ride his bike and so we took him out to ride his bike and uh, of course, as we re- went to go ride, he just like completely ate it, and I felt like I was the worst parent in the world because I have no idea what I'm doing, and this kid is just like screaming bloody murder, oh, uh, and uh, and I just you know like it's the first day he's been with us, and he's an eight year old kid, and he's he's had a hard hard life, but like it's it's been uh, just nice to have just to be able to be a safe place for him in this season in life, and and who knows where it's going to end up leading to, but yeah, that was the first day we got him, and so I broke out the camera just to kind of I think it's super important to be able to capture this season. In, in life and these yeah. memories, just even, you know, whatever it leads to, whether we, he goes back and is reunified with his parents in a safer home or he ends up staying with us. So, but it's, it'd be really cool and really sweet to have these moments kind of captured right now.
0: Wow. I'm, I'm really stoked for you guys. Truly. I've, I've had the privilege of, of parenting two kids now for, well, going on 17 years, a little bit more than that. Nice. It is a privilege and, and it's also a really interesting learning experience. And I, I, I already get the sense that you're a, a thinker, and um I, I I can see you kind of going through the process of parenting and learning a lot about yourself through it as well. I know that I have personally. And um so I'm really happy yeah. for yourself and also your wife's name is Catherine, correct?
1: Yeah, correct.
0: Yeah, well I'm I'm stoked for both of you guys. Now you said you came from LA. Did you kind of bring the, the West Coast style of wedding photography to Charlotte?
1: You know, I have no idea. Um I, I don't think I did. I I mean I I didn't start photography until like until I had to because because people kept asking me to do their weddings, and so like I, I did, I didn't know anything about photography in California. There's really good light in California, so I don't think I brought a, a lot of that because I don't <laughs> use a whole lot of I use backlight, but I don't use a whole lot of backlighting. Okay. So I don't think I brought that California style to, uh, to to Charlotte.
0: It really is true, though. I mean, it may sound a bit cliche, but I I had the opportunity years ago when I was shooting weddings to go to a, a workshop in the Orange County area with Mike Cologne. And yeah. he, we were shooting midday, and this was back in the day of Nikon D1X. So these were relatively, it was still relatively new to the digital space in general for professional photography. And the dynamic range on this thing was, was terrible. It was under six megapixel. And here in Tennessee where I live, if we were to go shoot a wedding in the middle of the day, particularly with a bride's dress and then you know, slightly cloudy and you got this really harsh light and shadows in the eyes and the, the dress would get blown out, especially because of this camera's poor dynamic range, and I remember shooting there in Orange County on the beach, middle of the day. I think I, I had it an aperture priority and just the, the camera was nailing exposure every single time. No blown highlight detail or anything. It, it really is just a different quality of
1: light. It, it really is. It's, and I think, well, of course, it's because, I, well, because it's closer to the ocean, the sun coming down over the atmosphere over there or whatever, yada, yada, yada. But like, it really is different. It's crazy. It just, it, it is, but it's great. It's good light. I love it. That's but no, cool. I don't live over there.
0: <laughs> well, welcome to the the East Coast a little bit late, but I like the the feel of your the, the photography that you're offering, the style of photography that you're offering, and and I, I don't get to say this very often, but I have to compliment you too on the variety of photography. I mean, you're a wedding photographer, that's what your business offers, but a lot of times you go to Instagram feeds and and you see what kind of looks like not cookie cutter, but there's there's such a level of consistency in the name of you know creating a consistent feed for Instagram that y- you miss out on variety when it comes to posing or lighting, uh, composition or otherwise. And you've got such a wonderful variety of photography that you're offering your clients and that's displayed there in the Instagram feed. So I have to encourage our listeners to go take a look. And we're going to actually talk about Instagram in more detail here in just a bit. But do set the tone for us a little bit for your brand. What's the the brand position, if you will? What's the unique selling point of your photography business in that big Charlotte market?
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I I would say the number one thing is we market ourselves as we, so I, I don't like when people, well, you know, they, you, you have these different camps and they say they're light and airy or they are <laughs> uh, moody. And I don't, I don't like those phrases just because I think they're photographers putting themselves into uh, creative boxes. And so uh, I, I just say we're bold and intimate. And I think what's, what's interesting is, uh, everybody just kind of defaults to that even before I even kind of say that. So I think that's almost been a a cat, like a a, almost been a categorization of our brand before I even gave it kind of category. Uh, And so bold and intimate has how people has always explained it. And so I say we are bold and intimate wedding photographers dedicated to capturing uh, uh, images that evoke emotion. And I think, That's probably the biggest thing that anytime somebody comes to our website or whenever I meet with prospective clients, that's like the number one thing they say is they love the the moments that we capture and they love just how intimate and bold that those moments are. Not even just intimate in that like, oh, this is spicy, this is raw, but it's an intimate moment where you feel like you are a part of somebody's moment that's going on. Like you feel like you're in an intimate environment yeah. and that's, what's really important for us. And that's, that's really cool for us.
0: Well, you know, speaking of that intimacy, I, I still count it such a privilege and I, I, sh- I don't shoot weddings anymore. I did for a bit over 10 years and I still count it a privilege to have been in what are truly intimate, Moments in these these couples and their families' lives, right? You're you're there on the wedding day, what is hopefully one of the happiest days of their lives so far, and certainly an intimate moment where these families are coming together, these people are coming together, and and yet we're allowed into that. And not only that, I don't know yeah. if you've had this experience, Devin. I'm assuming again, getting to know you a little bit here, that this has been the case for you. But for me, I know I. I was welcomed into these families' lives like we were friends or family. They they let us in in such a way that, I, again, I just looking back, I count it such a privilege and to be able to observe those moments and, of course, ultimately capture them for the photographer or for the client, rather. It, it truly is a privilege.
1: Heck yeah. No, and it's, it's crazy. I'm super thankful. Now, uh, it's this is... Very interesting, uh, but I am kind of so i'm kind of I don't, I don't want to say I'm exiting, but uh, you know I'm kind of on the out out as well as far as wedding photography is concerned. I do shoot weddings, but I've started another business, but uh, it is one of those things that I think I'm going to miss the most about it is the ability to be able to capture a lot of those moments that people uh, that people will cherish forever, like just the 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 tears and the way that people Respond to the photographs that they get or they see. It's there's there really is a lot of times just nothing like it and it's incredible.
0: Yeah, it really is. Now I'm, I'm you have me, me curious. My my curiosity is peaked here. Can you talk a little bit about the new business or is that kind of under wraps still?
1: No, no, no. That's great, man. I I love business and I, I'm sorry. It's funny because I know that you asked me with talking stuff or things to talk about and like I just completely didn't even mention anything about this. So you don't really have any idea. So one, uh, one thing, one thing I'm doing is moving Anchor and Veil into more of a studio uh, style photography. So we have, I think I have five photographers, five main photographers, two cinematographers, four or five second photographers now. Uh, And so just kind of moved into that and went to that space, especially as we've fostered, we're going to be fostering children. I, would like to have a little bit more time dedicated to spending to them. And that's really important to me. Yeah, And then now, uh, so my friend and I and Charlotte here have started a marketing firm that is doing fairly well. It's called 944 Media and uh, is super excited about that. And that's, I think that's going to kind of be the future of where we go just because I love marketing and digital marketing and it's more of a content creation and digital marketing agency. And then, uh, and then also uh, I, this is one thing I'm super excited about as well is I bought into a conference. So it's like a, what? it's like a, you know, it's a photographer, it's a, actually a creative entrepreneurs conference uh, that we haven't launched quite yet, but I'm super excited because I think May 15th, we're going to be launching it and, uh, a, almost like a soft launch type thing. And so super excited for that. And so I love just a bunch of different things, uh, and just doing all kinds of stuff and, in in my life and uh, just keeping things really busy is, is always just fun for me and so that's just kind of where it's heading. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop completely photographing weddings. I think I'll probably take about five a year, but uh, just really coming back and then just giving that to the to my my associates uh, is kind of the plan for the future. And also, just so you know, like I am a hundred percent open book. Any question you have or anything like that, I am. We can talk about it. So don't don't ever feel like, oh, I don't know if I should ask him that or not. Like I am asking. I'm great with that. I'm. I think, man, my number one goal is uh, to give a ton of value anywhere that I possibly can. And so, in any conversation, and any podcast, and any kind of any kind of interaction, I want to give a ton of value. So whatever you want to ask, you can ask. It's open. I'm an open book.
0: I really appreciate that, Devin. Well, we're certainly on the same page when it comes to the focus on adding value. Uh, with this podcast, we're, we're well over 250 episodes in now, and we're Still continuing awesome, to, to try to iterate. And I'm, it's been a real learning curve for me, both as a conversationalist and as an interviewer. But ultimately, the focus is to add value, and we're constantly getting feedback um, or con- consistently looking for feedback from our listeners as to how we can do that even better. So for those of you listening in, don't hesitate to, to shoot an email to me, just Nathan at photographersedit.com and would would love to get your feedback positive, negative, constructive, or otherwise. Uh, we are continuing to to adjust the format, the types of questions, the way that i present this, the questions and the information so that it's a positive and ultimately valuable listening experience for you. But to that point, Devin, let's let's keep going because I, I know that you have a lot to offer. And particularly, as you pointed out in the marketing space, we will, by the way, link to, to 944 Media. And hopefully by the time this episode comes out too, that workshop info will be live. We can also link to that in the show notes for those of you listening in.
1: Yeah. So it's going to be called... So it's formerly... Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Southeast Photo Convention. So uh, it is now called... the. It, well, so by the time this comes out, if this comes out after May 15th, it's now called the Creative Summit. And so super excited about it. We've got incredible speakers lined up already. It is January 27th through 29th in or in Orlando. Wow. Uh, so it's just a really cool, uh, it's going to be a really cool spot where uh, now it's going to be different from like, you know, like from Show It, like the, the photographers are going to be different. Uh, so we have like, I don't know if you know, like Two Man Studios, Fair waristi And then uh, some other, so Tony Christine is one of our other speakers. And then we have a bunch of really awesome breakout speakers like Jason Vinson and Sam Stroud, uh, who are just really, really talented photographers, but also run really good businesses. And so super pumped about that conference. It's going to be really awesome. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like do some kind of plug here, but like that's what what it's going to be. So by May 15th, we should have that information out. So this goes out after May 15th then you'll see that. But uh, sorry if I threw off your timeline at all.
0: No, not at all. No, no, no. We'll, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, make sure that all the links are there. And for those of you listening in, again, take advantage of the show notes. It's bokehpodcast.com. You'll see the resources that we've referred to today an outline timestamps, et cetera, for the episode. Just check it out, bokehpodcast.com. And uh, we'll make sure to link link to these resources. Uh, Another question for you, Devin, from all that you've learned so far, and honestly, I mean, you've you've shared enough thus far. I could probably break off into another episode or two. We could talk about scaling a business, building a business with a team so that you can kind of delegate and hand things over and focus on other areas of your life. I like that you're doing that. Again, very, very much on the same page in that regard. But um, from all that you've learned in business so far, what would be one of the most important pieces of advice that you feel like you could give to a photographer? If you were you know, just walking down the street with them or you're in an elevator with them, you had 15, 20 seconds to share something, what would that be?
1: You know, it's really interesting because I think before my answer would have been something like, oh, you know, you, gotta, uh, you just got to make sure you're out there grinding or you got to do something like that. Or, or like, you know, the number one piece of advice would have been something like never... Uh, never get really uh, used to, or kind of the idea of being romantic about what you used to do. Like, hmm. because times are changing. You always need to adapt. But man, now that I have this eight-year-old kid in our house, I think it's it's just priorities. And I think because what ends up happening in a lot of times is, uh, even for me, as I uh, as I've tried to try to pursue success and whatever that looks like in my life, and even tried to pursue notoriety, like you know, being nominated as range finders, top 30, rising photog- photographers in the world or winning fearless awards or June bugs awards. Like I think I, or even just growing a business to where, you know, like two, $300,000 a year, like those kind of things began what my metric of success began to be what my metric of success looked like. And then in doing so, everything went on the back burner, like my marriage and my relationships. And it almost led me into, you know, led us into divorce and almost led to uh, an area that I don't ever want to go to again. And mm. so then now, I think that reorients or reorientates like my, my priorities are where where it matters. And so number one, that's my faith, right? Like there has to be a foundation that, um, one, my identity is not found in the, the awards or what the world thinks the success is, uh, but it's found in Christ and, and, and that my, and my identity, and that is a firm foundation that can't be shaken by what People think about me or what my perception or or my perception is to the rest of the world. But it's based on something that has eternal value and that's super important for me. And then second is my family. Like there's just nothing that I'm willing to give up for the sake of my family anymore. And so that's part of the reason why, yes, I scale a business so I could still provide for my family and not have to worry about working every single weekend. Uh, But then also spending yeah, so we're not working every single weekend, so that I can spend time with my family and this kid that needs extra attention because he's he hasn't had that all his life. And so I think at the end of the day, man, here, here's here's the thing. And at the end of the day, like, what's it all for? If 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 it's not for family or something with eternal value, because you can't take it with you when you die, and people are gonna forget your name way quicker than um, way quicker than. And you'll, they'll remember it once yeah. you die. Like, I just, people aren't going to remember you. Like, it's like, I, you know, I hear all the time people talk about and these rappers and these actors and these people talk about like, okay, you'll get famous and then you die. And then two weeks, people, two weeks go by. Like, and then people are just like, well, you yeah, know, that was a sad story, you know, or they just won't even remember it. And so like, at the end of the day, it's not really about the money. It's not really about all of those things. It's about the things that, uh, that you find 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 value in and that you feel valued by. And I think that's, uh, and that's, so the priorities would be kind of like my number one piece of advice is like, have those priorities out. And in doing that, then I think that should just kind of set the foundation for the rest of the decisions you make.
0: Well, you talk about, there are
1: multiple talking
0: points here really, but you talk about the significance of values. And this is something that that I've discussed on the podcast it's a little bit more as of late. I've found a lot of actual value in clearly establishing my values. So I, I've, I've learned a lot from Tony Robbins and I know there are mixed opinions on, on him out there, but when it comes to to strong psychological principles that can enable somebody to live a healthy life, Tony's got a lot to offer. And one of the things that he talks about, and by the way, we'll link to his, he's got a free ebook out called Reawaken the Giant Within. that has got some really, really powerful principles. It's an easy read, hundred pages or so and uh, we can link to that in the show notes, but he talks about the, the significance of values. And these are these ideas that, um, that are, that are, they, they go so deep that they ultimately drive a, kind of an emotional reaction, which of course then drives action. Um, these are really, really strongly held beliefs that literally should drive everything that we do. And if, you know, as a photography business owner, or just a business owner in general, if you don't have a clear idea of what you're trying to accomplish or where you're going with your personal life, if you don't have deep-seated values there, then what you ultimately do in business can be a bit haphazard in nature. You're trying a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You're reacting to this thing coming in and this popular trend. and uh, It's funny, Devin, you mentioned that the, the uh, idea of being popular. I remember... Again, back when I was a photographer and myself and my business partner were trying to get on the speaking circuit and we were looking for this notoriety, I, I look at that in hindsight and, and kind of laugh at this point because, you know, really the question is for what? You know, I mean, we're in this tiny little industry. We're looking for in- notoriety in this industry.
1: Oh, my gosh. Bro. It, it, it is, <laughs> well, we're it, wedding photographers. Exactly.
0: Bro. Exactly. It's, it's hilarious. But, if we aren't, I guess, ultimately living for something that's way bigger than ourselves, and, and you alluded to that as well, whether it's faith or family, some combination of the above, um, looking to add value in some fashion to the world at large, then I, we're, we're missing out. And again, we'll tend to kind of flounder and flail around and ultimately be left very unsatisfied, unfulfilled. So I, I like the direction that you're going here and the, the focus on values at the end of the day is so, so important. And for those of you listening in, if you don't have a clearly. A, Established set of values, whether that's rooted in faith or at least something that goes way bigger than yourself, your ego, and and your accomplishments as a business owner. Take some time to to step back and, and consider what those values might be, those things that are most important to you, and let those drive what you do on a day to day basis. It'll make all the difference in the world. You mentioned time, too, Devin. And I mean, a lot of the shift in business, too, is for the sake of time, for the sake of your family. What is something that you do on a daily or even weekly basis that enables you to have a little bit more time for family especially with a child in the house now how do you go about creating that amidst all the busyness
1: yeah so I think uh, I think time is our number one asset like it's the the number one thing that you can spend but never get back right like you can spend a certain amount of time doing something and you never get that time back and so I think it's really really important to prioritize that time uh, and then in doing so like uh, I think there has to be a, a time value proposition. Like you have to understand how much your time is worth because for me, uh, and this, this is right up your alley, Nathan, I think uh, out. To be one of the big, the biggest things that I do, I've realized I am willing to spend a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred dollars for the sake of me having four or five hours back with my family, and that is super, super important for me. As I go on to do other things like creating courses or doing the podcast, YouTube channel, whatever it is, like I have to make sure that like I don't want to spend hours editing weddings. I don't want to spend hours editing a podcast or a YouTube video or any of that stuff. And so what I end up doing is outsourcing that or hiring people part-time. Like I have an employee, I pay $15 an hour to do certain stuff that I don't want to do. And it and it's well worth the $15 an hour I pay this guy. And he's 20 years old, 19 years old, fresh out of college, and he is happy to be paid $15 an hour. Yeah. And so I, it is well worth it to me. And so that's the number one thing I think we need to stop doing. Like I think we get oh my goodness in the photography industry we get so like just insular. We go oh nobody can do this but me. Nobody can can do this aspect of my business but me. And that's totally not true. Like one we're not the best in the world at what we do. If you're the best in the world at what you do, fine. Then that's the case. But at the end of the day if you're losing more money than you're making doing something and that's one of the biggest reasons why I outsource weddings is because editing is the one of the only things I do in my business that doesn't make me a dime, right. but takes a lot of time. Yes, and so it's one of those things where like outsourcing, all types of stuff, all types of stuff. I have uh, I have a person who handles all my so now with photographer like so now with you know five photographers and we're booking gosh, I don't know. This year, I think we've booked like 50 something weddings already for my photographers. I cannot handle all that communication. I cannot do all of that stuff. And so she has to handle, she handles the communication. She handles uh, with all the clients, she'll handle the album design and sales. She handles all that stuff. And that used to be something where I used to be like, only I can do that. Right. And it's like, no, that's not the case at all. Otherwise I would be floundering and drowning because I don't have enough time in a day. And then I'm not spending time with my wife. And then I'm not spending time with this kid that needs my attention. And so it's just, I, I would say outsourcing is one of by far the most important thing to do. And just stop thinking, I just kind of like, stop thinking so highly of yourself and just outsource <laughs> it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you are not the best of the world at whatever it is. Like have somebody else do it and you'll feel, and you'll be like, you'll kick yourself in the butt and be like, why didn't I do this years ago?
0: It's so true. It reminds me of a conversation I actually had with a good friend of mine, Thomas Flint, on the podcast, actually, and he pointed out something very similar. He said, you know, this idea that that you can't give up control to, to outsource would suggest that you think that you're literally better than anyone else out there at doing this thing. If that's the mentality... Um, there's a bit, you know, too much ego involved. So I'm glad that you point that out. And, and it may seem convenient that I would point this out myself, but the irony is that I'm even learning this, this lesson myself as photographers edit continues to grow. And I'm learning to delegate even more uh, to my team. And I'm, I'm lucky to have such an incredible team. Uh, that's that's yeah. been, a, it's been a, a great learning curve for me. But, you know, one of the things that we have to emphasize in this process of delegation or outsourcing is the significance of certainly, number one, c- kind of setting aside your ego and being willing to let somebody else take this thing and do it their way and understanding that if it's you know, 85, 90% the way that you did it, it's, it's more than good enough, number one. But two, in that process, it does require good communication. Like any relationship, it requires good communication. And that means not assuming that this person can read your mind based on a couple of sentences, understand what it is exactly that you're looking for, and then learn how to concisely and effectively communicate what it is that you're looking for to that person. I think that's one of the things that I've seen quite a bit on the photographer's edit end of things is photographers will, they, they like the idea of saving some time by delegating their editing work. But at the end of the day, they're not necessarily willing to take the time to to communicate in detail concisely, thoroughly what it is that they're looking for. They kind of just expect their minds to be read and it doesn't work that way. Whether it's editing or album design or accounting or in anything, there needs to be thorough communication, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. And, and that's super important because I think uh, without that proper communication, then there just becomes frustration. and And in that frustration... You lose, you start to lose faith. And then in losing faith, then, then everything just starts to go downhill from there because. Uh, then then people start to quit or people just don't feel valued. Right. And I think that's super important, especially when you hire people is to make them feel valued. And, and that's one of the big things that I try to communicate with my photographers is I give them so much freedom. I don't even care what they post on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so much freedom I give because I want them to feel so valued by me hmm. that they don't want to go anywhere else. Like I have one of the best photographers in Charlotte on my team. And this girl does not want her own weddings anymore because one, I pay her well and I really value her as one of my photographers and so like that's super important you make, you communicate value well like you communicate well and make somebody feel valued then they're going to be really loyal to you and that's just so important as you run a business
0: no oh, that's good let me shift just a slightly different direction we were talking about um, what you've been sharing how you've continued to grow and to learn and, and your business is iterated and now you've got other things that you're launching but what is what is a a great source of learning for you? Maybe one of the most impactful business or self help books that you've read. Maybe two or three, even if you, if you have a few that come to mind. What what are those?
1: Yeah, great question. I hate reading. Okay, so like uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I, I, I tell you, I don't read. Um, here's the thing. About ten years ago, yeah, I think the statement "leaders are readers" was true hundred percent. but I think now in this day and age, I think leaders are consumers of content and there's so much content out there that I don't think there necessarily needs to be a book hmm. uh, that, that that now there are great books, don't get me wrong, great books uh, but but for me like you know so I read a book, in February, I read this book called Launch. I read it in like 48 hours. It was amazing. And that was really good because I'm in the process of building like a, a huge course. So that, so that book was good for that in that context. But before that, I can't tell you the last book I read. And I can't tell you how long ago it was. Like I, I don't read. And so, um, sorry for any of your listeners who are expecting <laughs> a good book or sorry for you that was expecting a good book. I can't tell you, man, honestly, I have books. I don't read them and that's kind of about it for me. So I think like for me, it's been podcasts, YouTube, Google. Yeah, that's, those are like my biggest sources of educational content. And, uh, and for me, like, honestly, I learn by experience. And so I mess up a lot and that's okay with me because I know how to quickly, uh, change what I was doing and do something else. And I think I'm also a quick a, a, one an early adapter uh, to, to type such so, two different types of things. Uh, I'm willing to take the risk on some kind of app or some kind of something that I think is going to help me in the long run. And like my, my, my assistant says, she's like, you use more systems than anybody I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it's because like, I want to streamline everything. Yeah. Like I just want to streamline everything. And so, if I can streamline it, I'm going to use that system. I don't pay $30 a month to do it because it's going to save me way more than $30 a month. And that's that's just kind of how I am. And so I just, I learn by experience and uh, I do learn and get motivated by podcasts and things like that. But it's probably been like a month or two since the last time I listened to a podcast and I, and I run a podcast. So like it's, I'm just all over the board, man. And, and sometimes some seasons are a little busier than others. Like right now, I just have so much going on that I'm not consuming a lot of content. But then there'll be another time where I kind of bring back and then I'm, starting, and then I'm consuming a ton of content. But it's not necessarily a book. So I'm sorry. I don't have any recommendations. I barely have even podcast recommendations. I probably have to pull my phone up to remember what they are. <laughs> but I would love to be able to give those to you if you want them.
0: Well, and, and we, I do need to give a shout out to your podcast too, the anchored podcast. We'll make sure to, to link to that in the show notes as well. For those of you listening in wondering why this conversation is flowing so wonderfully, um, Devin actually has experience as a host and an interviewer himself, so he's quite the talented conversationalist. But, you know, I, one of the things, and of course, one of the great uh, values, if you will, or value adds of having a variety of guests on our podcast is that we get different perspectives. And one of the things I love about your perspective when it comes to learning is you pointed out Google, YouTube, podcasts, certainly, but Google and YouTube, I'm thinking specifically about the the value of going to look for something, information, advice, help when you need it for a very particular purpose versus just kind of reading yeah. about any and everything. Uh, because the reality, of course, is that a lot of business books, self-help books have a lot of fluff in them And so I I actually have a lot of respect for the specificity of that learning approach. In addition, of course, to to just learning from experience, going and doing and learning the hard way, maybe sometimes. But instead of just consuming a ton of content, all the content, just for the sake of consuming content, the specificity of going and looking for the information when you need it, um, I think is a really important perspective to consider.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that's also why, uh, that's why I think online education is doing so well. I think, uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not doing any kind of plug here. I'm not even gonna tell you what it's called, but like, I'm, I'm in the process of just creating like probably, hopefully the biggest wedding photography course on the face of the planet. Um, but like, that's like part of the culture and who we are nowadays is that like, there is, there is this desire for a specific, a specific type of learning, like, and, and I think, I think, I can't remember the, the metric, but it was like, you know, ten, five or ten years ago online education was like a $25 million industry, but it's projected that by 2020, it's going to be like a $10 billion industry, like a year industry, because like there's just so many people that are willing to learn specific things from specific people. And they, and they want to know, like, how do they run a business? How do they do this? Like online coaching or or whatever. And it's, Goes to what you're just saying, like it's not a broad, you know, forty thousand dollar a year education that you're getting on, you know, to have some electives that you don't even care about. But it's a specific: how do I grow in this area? And I think that's what our culture desires, um, which is why I think, you know, I just personally think the four year university is trending downward because of the the accessibility of the internet and what uh, what's on the internet and, and our ability to to grow and. I mean, honestly, this is the best time in the history of the world to start and grow a business because of technology. So that's just kind of what I think.
0: Technology, and and as you pointed out, the the easy access to information as well. And I, I hope that I mean this this kind of trend in online education that you're talking about, which we've been seeing happen all around us. I hope that that also results in more action from those that are consuming the content because you know it's easy. Oh my gosh. To consume content. And then not really do anything about it. You say, oh, that's nice and that's cool. You go to the workshop or they go to the conference or you spend however much for an <laughs> online course. And then the question is, what do you actually do with that at the end of the day? So I hope, I hope that the specificity, the wide range of content available regarding specific topics means that there are more people doing more with that information, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like, and I hear it all the time where people are like, man, you give so much, like you you talk about so much, like you give great information so freely. And it's like, because yeah, like, because nobody like people, so people are going to consume that content five percent one percent two percent are actually gonna do something with that content and it's why people in Charlotte are like oh man like why are you so free with your associate program why do you let them use all of the images like that or build their businesses like they do and I'm like because w- the first thing is if they want to leave me they're gonna have to work harder than me to you know like, and second of all I've got a brand already established so I'm not worried about competition like there is no competition uh, in our Charlotte market I I think that like my one of my collections is double the most expensive the next most expensive photographer in Charlotte and yet we book out like um, i think already we've booked uh, i don't i don't even know um, like 50 or 40, 60 weddings this year so far and like i'm not worried about uh, competition because people are going to learn but only like 1 or 2% of people are actually going to go do you know what i'm saying
0: well not only that but there there's an interesting kind of tendency in the market which is that while Someone or maybe a group of people may start to to copy what you're doing at that point. If you continue to function the way that you you seem to, you're going to already be the next two or three or four steps ahead because you're continuing to, yeah. to iterate, to learn, to grow, um, to change, to look for the next thing. And so then they're just trying to play catch up all along anyway. Yeah. So that that concern about somebody else. Um, getting that information that you're sharing or copying what you're doing, and 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 somehow inhibiting your business is is kind of a, a funny, funny, misnomer. I think it's it's I, I yeah. we saw some of that in the um uh, that kind of mentality, if you will, in the local market, uh, the local Chattanooga market back in the day, particularly as, as the wedding industry was changing. It was it was a particularly conservative market. The idea that you openly share and are friends with. Uh, that your your so called competition was just kind of a foreign concept, but we saw so much value not only in sharing with each other but also understood the reality which was that if if we continue to push ahead, uh, we have nothing to be actually concerned about so
1: that 's the biggest part of it man I think that that fear comes from an insecurity uh, th- an insecurity that is breeded from from complacency. You know what I'm saying? So like, yes. it's the fact that they're not doing anything or working as hard or um, they're fine where they are. That's what kind of, festers and and brings about this insecurity that then brings about that fear of oh my gosh like uh, you know like whatever but I, I think that's where it comes from and that's that's just so so crazy
0: yeah yeah it's it's a reactive mentality versus a proactive mentality and and um, I, th- I think you make a really great point there and it's a good point of consideration for our listeners and you know what let's, let's just kind of shift into our kind of primary focus for today in conversation. You, you, <laughs> oh, you, yeah. And, and, and I, I love and, and don't get me wrong. I love the, the wide ranging conversation. I think this has been great. And I'm sure we'll follow some other rabbit trails and, and tangents along the way. But you, you mentioned earlier that you're developing a marketing company. And when you and I were discussing briefly, what we might chat about on the podcast today, we talked about Instagram, more specifically hacking Instagram. And, and you were using a phrase authentic engagement. And I want to get into what that means here in just a little bit. But let start just with purpose and kind of philosophy that drives use of Instagram. Because, you know, it's one thing for us just to jump on Instagram and start to post kind of randomly and haphazardly and reactively. But tools are way more powerful, I think, if you actually use them with purpose. So I'm curious first, what how do you see the purpose of Instagram for your brand and business?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think, in the most basic and practical sense, um, you've heard this phrase before, but I'm going to dive into this phrase instead of just like sugar, like then then th- just code everything I say with this phrase. But there's this idea of profitability over popularity when it comes to Instagram, uh, and 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 when I say that, like it's it's interesting because I can unless unless somebody is like like a mega influencer with 200,000 followers, I can almost I can almost directly correlate the amount of people they follow with the amount of money they're making as wedding photographers. Now, this works differently in other in other, you know, industries, but in such a service-based and a relational-based industry, I feel like I can almost do that because what it means is like I think that one, Instagram allows you to be super super picky with who you follow, and in being picky, you can almost begin to think about the exact person that you want to engage with. So I can have an avatar, you know, 26 to 36-year-old bride who likes Louis Vuitton, who shops at these places, who goes to these bars, and then I can begin to target that person specifically. And so I'm just going to get real practical with how I would, I'm talking and those things I'm talking about, authentic engagement and all of those things. Um, so Instagram allows you to follow 7,500 people max. I max that out just about every four months. And so I will get up to 70, I will get up to like 7,500. And then I have this app that allows me to delete all inactive users. And so I will go through, delete about 400 or unfollow about 400 of them and then keep following them. And I'm telling you what, like, so here we go. Let's get practical. I will go on to the search. Like I will go into the search bar and I will do like Carolina Panthers game or Ink and Ivy bar or something like that. Whenever there's like a big event, I'll go to that event and then I'll go and I'll look up that location service. And then I'll start following those people that look exactly like my target bride. And then I'll begin engaging with them. One, I'll start liking their photos and then go from there. And then as time goes on, I'll continue to engage with them. So what I mean by like streamlining authentic engagement. So we live in a, in such a narcissistic culture, right? Like we live in such a narcissistic culture that Instagram like people post stuff for the specific reason of getting affirmation on Instagram. On Facebook, you know, like it, it's kind of, so like for me, I'm going to feed into that and give that affirmation. I'm going to like the photos when they post them. On Facebook, it's kind of weird. If I go through and like their pro, their profile photos, they're like, whoa, this guy's creepy. But in, <laughs> and then if I, if I do that on like Snapchat, they're like, whoa, how'd you get my Snapchat? But Instagram, 100% invited. So you better believe I'm going in and I'm going to give that affirmation. Like they did a study and it said that 48% of men and women fall into this like so when taking selfies 48% of men and women fall into the like they'll take 2 to 5 selfies before they before they post and they'll be like okay this is good 28% of women will take 6 to 10 selfies before they finally post it 7 to 8% uh, of, some, of of women will also take 11 to 15 selfies before they choose the perfect one. So you better believe when they choose that perfect one, they want some sort of affirmation for the one that they've chose, and I will give that to them. You know what I'm saying? And so in that, I'm kind of feeding, it's, you know, um, some, I had a really long conversation, so I recently photographed a wedding, and I recently, and, and one of the guests there, Um, so it was like a destination wedding, and so we were all hanging out a couple of days before the wedding, and I was talking to him about this, and he's like, uh, but isn't that just like contributing to this cycle uh, that Instagram creates? And I'm like, yes, it does. But, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, it does. But like somebody else, somebody's going to do it. You know, like this person is seeking affirmation somewhere. Why not be from you? And so for me, that's just how I, how I think. Um, and like, so I went and I had my brain mapped, like really crazy. They put like this thing around my brain and, and they kind of, You know, they map my brain. And so, like, they can tell me all different types of things, like, uh, that I'm impulsive, that I'm socially inappropriate. Like, even when I thought I wasn't, it said that I was. Um, Well, in 2016, the Association of Psychological Science did this brain mapping of 32 teenagers between 13 and 18 years old. And so, in 12 minutes, what they did was they showed them 148 Instagram photos. 40 of them were their own. And so what happened was every time that those kids saw their photographs with some kind of affirmation, like the nucleus accumbus part of their brain, wherever that is, started firing off. And what it fired was not just like excitement. Um, the nucleus of compass is like the reward circuitry part of the brain. And what happened was every time they saw like affirmation on their post, dopamine would fly through their brain. So almost this sense of euphoric experience of like, of, you know, like drug, like the same way that you get with drugs and sex and things like that. These kids or these people, I get it whenever there's some kind of like. Or positive notification on on my photographs, and so for me, what I do is I take that and, guys, I'm telling you, this is like in the non sleaziest way. I'll I'll talk to you about it in a second. Uh, I take that and I leverage that for my business. So I'll, I'll give like some sort of notif, like so you know, a lot of people when they get when they get DMs, a notification pops up on their phone. And so what's really interesting is in this day and age, we have direct access to uh, to be able to be some kind of positive receptor that flies through somebody's brain. And so I will slide into the DMs. Like when somebody um, posts something and they post everything they post, even on their stories, you're posting for some sort of affirmation. Like people wouldn't post it on their stories if they didn't want some kind of positive reaction for it. So like I'll use those quick emojis or I have what's called keyboard shortcuts. So if you have an iPhone, go to iPhone, uh, settings, general, keyboards, text replacement. Um, and from in there, I have specific phrases. So I will say dogs, D-O-G-Z. And what ends, when I press space, what ends up happening is it changes to a paragraph or a statement that says, Oh, I OMG, this is the cutest ever. And then heart emoji, heart eye emojis, dog emoji, heart eye emoji, dog emojis. And I push enter. So literally, I typed four buttons, a full paragraph that is full of affirmation for whatever they just posted comes into their DMs. And so, like, that's streamlined, authentic engagement because for them, That's authentic. Like that's not like rad snap, you know, like on a post. That's some kind of authentic engagement that they get to, that they get to feel from me. But for me, it's streamlined, which makes it easy. So when anybody gets engaged, I say dream wedding. And then I press space and then it says, ah, so excited for you. Uh, Congratulations, swooning over your ring. Uh, And then what I do is I don't say, oh, if you need a photographer, reach out to me. My email is this. I say, so excited for you to plan your dream wedding. If you need anything, don't hesitate to let us know. We are so excited for you. Exclamation point, champagne emoji, bride emoji, heart eye emoji, firework emoji, confetti emoji. And And that's what I send. So I have a lot of different streamlined um, keyboard shortcuts for things like couples goals and uh, the venue. Like I literally, so I'll tell you this. I had a, I had a bride, so I'll do this for the venues as well. So I had a bride uh, at one of the nicest venues in Charleston and she posted and she's like, can't wait to get married here. This is going to be, you know, in whatever the date was. I, I'd been following this girl for a little while. She did not follow us back. I commented with my venues keyboard shortcut. And it said, OMG, love that venue. Your wedding is going to be an absolute dream there. I can't wait to see you're going to be such a gorgeous bride. And so that person didn't follow me at all. Well, that night she saw that sent us an inquiry, met with us the next day, booked us and her wedding was huge. And so like it works and it's just streamlined, authentic engagement. And so that's kind of, I know I just talked a little, a lot about that stuff and kind of like the psychological thought process behind it, but that's kind of how I use Instagram in a a very different way that isn't just like, "Oh, hey, um, fix your feed uh, to look aesthetically pleasing" or talk about yourself. Because here's my big thing: nobody cares. Okay. So like nobody cares about you and your obsession to, to dogs. Nobody cares about you and your photographs. The only two people in the world that care about my photographs are me and my mom, right? Like my wife doesn't even care. I'll be like, babe, check out this photo. <laughs> and because she loves me, she'll go, she'll give me like heart, like sympathetic heart eyes, you know, like, right. like that, that's kind of how my wife is. But, but, um, but nobody cares. What they care about is how the photo makes them feel. They follow you because how you make them feel, hmm. not because they, care about your work. You know what I'm saying? It's how your work makes them feel. And so once we understand that, that changes the way that we use Instagram.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, we could end the conversation right there. Just that last 20 seconds is gold. And I think it's it, it could lead to other points of conversation. But I want to backtrack for just a second because you've used the phrase authentic engagement um, or authenticity. How do you define that phrase? Because it, just to be frank with you, when I think about authentic engagement, I'm I'm thinking about... Trying like truly trying to connect with someone on a deeper level, and what when I hear keyboard shortcuts, I'm 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 hearing streamlining, which is awesome. But I if if I'm keyboard shortcutting this phrase that I'm also feeding to 50 other people, that doesn't feel very authentic to me. It certainly seems like a great way to to encourage engagement because you make a a, a really important point. People care about how you make them feel, not necessarily about your work. And, and, and that, I mean, again, we could end the podcast right there and our listeners would walk away with a really important lesson. But help me understand what you mean when you say authentic engagement and how that ties to this automation process.
1: Yeah, cool. So I have probably like 30 phrases that I say fairly frequently. And in that I will say like, um, it's really interesting because this streamlined engagement and it's, it's authentic in the sense that it's not, excuse me, in the sense that it's not rad snap. It's not like, you know, somebody's posting something and where they're like, Oh man, you know, like my dog just died and you're like, cool pig, you know, like it's not that. So it's authentic. It's, it's, it's perceived as authentic from them. And for me, I'm not just putting random quotes. Like it comes from whatever the situation is, but then it also leads to really authentic engagement in the like the DMs. That's where I want to take it. I don't want to just be another comment on their feed. I want to be an authentic interaction in the DMs. So I can't tell you how many kind of like relationships that we've built in the direct messages because of that that I know for a fact are people that are going to hire us. Like I have a keyboard shortcut for something like it says like, hey, you just popped into my feed and I just wanted to drop in and say, hey, you're awesome. Uh, and I hope nothing, and, and I know nothing but amazing things are in store for you today. And you wouldn't believe the reactions I get. Like I, I consistently get people that are like, This means so much to me. Uh, You have no idea how much I needed this today. And so what ends up happening is a conversation happens from that um, where I go, well, you're the best. Thanks so much for, you know, for all that you do. I hope you have an amazing weekend or whatever. Um, Amazing. Like conversation actually happens from that. Now, I don't just like cold. Put that in the DM. These are people that I've kind of already established some sense of consistent communication within Instagram, but they're all my target bride, my target audience. So you better believe once I create some kind of like connection, some relational connection, they're not going to anywhere else. They're just going to come to us or we're going to be the first person they look at. And that's how it happens consistently. And so it's so easy. I'm going to read you an email that I got January. I just looked it up. January 25th, 2017. So this is a girl that we had engaged with for a while. She goes, Devin and Catherine, I feel compelled to write. Never met this girl in my life. like Never met her in our life. We've communicated on Instagram. But she goes, Devin and Catherine, I feel compelled to write this email to you. Not to ask for your services yet, but to tell you, I find your story and work inspiring. I literally do not know how or why I found you on Instagram. And now I'm a follower for sure. Your photos are breathtaking outside of your photographs being outstanding. You interact with your followers on a personal level. And, and while I assume that this is time consuming, it is worth it. I feel like I know you both from watching your video, seeing your posts and always having a like from anchor veil photo. It's that connection that lets me know that, uh, No, you put the maximum effort and love into each of your sessions and that will ultimately lead to me insisting I book you when the time comes. And then she goes, strangers think you're awesome and find you inspirational. Keep up the good work. And then she put her name and then I'll tell you what happened. Two years later, almost exactly, she booked us for her wedding in Las Vegas. So like, that's like, it's for us, it may seem like, okay, like, Okay, it's streamlined, but to them, it seems really authentic. And it does lead to a really authentic relationship that's built through social media.
0: You mentioned earlier the distinction between the Instagram feed and DMs. Can you kind of expand on that just a little bit? I, mean, I, I, I understand your point about how potential clients don't necessarily care about, of course, the nuances of your work or a photographer's work like we do. But what is the significance and the difference between the IG feed and the DMs, especially when it comes to encouraging better engagement?
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, I think there's a huge difference because I think the feed is fifty to one. You know, somebody who gets a lot of comments or thirty to one. Somebody who gets a lot of comments, there's thirty comments on their post, and and there's just one of them. But when you get into the when you get into the DMs, it's one to one, and you can have an of an, conversation in there that is. That That becomes a lot more than just a comment, and that's where really a lot of it is one for us to where I know that like no matter how large somebody's following is, once I get into the DMs, I almost guarantee that person's gonna book us and it and it happens unless they can't afford us, it happens almost every time, and it's because like we've created we uh, we're able in the DMs to create an emotional connection to whatever's going on and and it always ends up so like somebody will comment, and generally, I always follow up with something that says, Love following and keeping up with you, I hope we get to meet someday in the future, and they always say, "Oh my gosh, we would love that or uh, i've been following you or whatever you are definitely the ones we're going to hire when the time comes and then it leads to more conversation that builds and establishes trust right It's that like no trustability of uh, of business that that really does come into come to fruition, especially within the dms
0: so when when you try to DM somebody and they don't respond the first time, because this is something that I've had experience with, do you continue to push that? Uh, do you have a particular technique that tends to get more engagement? I mean, I, I know you explained the the type of wording yeah. that you might use, but what if somebody doesn't respond? How do you go about following up in, t- in order to get a response? And at what point do you give up on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So my, uh, my DMs are never stealthy they're never business they're never salesy they're generally responses to whatever they've posted on the stories so whenever that's the case they're almost always going to respond with something because they've put it out there you know what I'm saying like yeah. they've put it out there to be connected with and so I always that's that's tend, the DMs tend to be a much more authentic like you know not as streamlined sometimes still streamlined but not as streamlined Sense of a piece of communication or or a point of response to them but that's where it like I will consistently, there's sometimes where like, I have responded to 15 stories and they haven't responded to anything back. And then all of a sudden they respond to something back and then it changes everything. There is a specific person I can think about right now that I have tried in the comments for so long to engage with and even like five or six times previously in the DMs. And then finally she posted something and it was like, oh, want to hear the story of this dress? And I was like, yes, I want to hear the story of the dress. Then she told me the story of her dress. And then I was like, girl, I've loved following you for the past couple of years. We get to meet, and she then she just like spilled it all and was like, oh my gosh, I've loved following you for the last couple of years. When the time comes, yes, yes, yes. So I'm like, yes, be persistent, be consistent. Like, why not? It's the, the worst they'll say is no, and maybe they'll block you. But like, people don't generally block <laughs> people. Like, unless yeah. you're being super annoying. And so like, I'm not like consistently in a week DMing somebody, but like, I'll give it time. Sure. Like, you know, maybe next week I'll hit you back up. Don't you worry. I'll be back. Like, you know, like that's yeah. just kind of how it is. But uh, I, I do think so because I am positively affirming what they're putting out into the world and, and they they want that. And so I'm just like, why wouldn't I be the one to give them that? So That's kind of how I think about it.
0: I love it. And, and by the way, I love, I love the energy that you bring too. I mean, it, the, the desire to, I don't know, maybe, maybe the desire to win isn't quite the right phrase, but you're, you just continue to push and and work, And make things happen, as opposed to somebody that kind of sits back and reacts to to whatever is going on. And and I love that about you—that proactive mentality. I I have a lot of respect for that. So, major props to you for that. I I want to leave our listeners with some really—oh man, it's almost time to be done. Yeah. Well, I want to—I want to leave them with some actionable takeaways, things that they can literally they can finish listening to this podcast episode and get up and go do something. Maybe two or three things in particular that come to mind for you. And you've kind of alluded to to at least that many already, but specific things that they can go do today um, that will help encourage better engagement with their fans on Instagram? What are a few things that come to mind?
1: One thing would be to uh, go and create keyboard shortcuts. So I have a whole list of them in Evernote right now, but what I'll do is like, so maybe create a keyboard shortcut for when somebody finds their wedding dress. And then when somebody finds a venue and then when somebody gets engaged, what's happened. And I'll tell you, this is like a, this is an algorithm hack. I have commented so many times with it, with the with a streamlined dream wedding keyboard shortcut on engaged couples that every single time when I open Instagram, the first post that post up is somebody that just got engaged. Wow. So like the algorithm, I don't know how it does it, will show me somebody that just got engaged that I follow almost every single time I open Instagram because I've engaged so much on those types of posts. It's like, and it's like, thanks Instagram. You're like, essentially it's just like, handing this to me. And, and so like I would go and I would create keyboard shortcuts for really big events or just to, to like, even I have one for just like couples when I say like, oh, you guys are hashtag goals, um, something like that. So like create some keyboard shortcuts that are totally you and your brand. Um, that's number one. Number two, so specifically Instagram, go in, right? Whatever, wherever, so you should have an idea of your target audience, where they live, where they shop or where they go out and party, or where their, their their night scene is, whatever. I would go to Instagram, go to the Explore page, and I would type in whatever that bar is, whatever that stadium is, whatever that is, that event is, and then go to the location services. Look, look for your ideal client. As soon as you see them, click on them. And then start going to their profile and then liking like their next five or six photos. And then and then from there, you don't have to engage like with a comment or whatever yet. But then as they show up in your feed, keep engaging with them. And here's what's even better, but people will be like, ooh, should I do that? If they are private, definitely request to follow them because that means that they have to go to your profile to see if they want to accept your following. Interesting. Whereas somebody who's yeah, whereas somebody who's not private, then you're just another five likes or whatever in their feed. And if they get a lot of likes, then they never even see your likes. But if you, they have to approve you to follow them, they go to your feed and they go, oh, I like this. And then they'll probably follow you back. Now, I will say two out of 10 people follow me back. But eventually, because I continue to engage with them, most of them end up following me back.
0: <laughs> That's really, really good. Okay, so two really, and, and honestly, we could have just left with with the one, the creating keyboard shortcuts for for quick engagement. You know, it's it's amazing how much time keyboard shortcuts can save. I, I use keyboard shortcuts on my on my desktop. I have a, a keyboard shortcut set up on my phone, for example, to to share my calendar, so I can set up you know, appointments, interviews, etc. The podcast or otherwise, um, keyboard shortcuts in Lightroom for the little bit of work that you might still do in Lightroom, keyboard shortcuts yes. are definitely the way to go, and they can literally save hours. I have I have a particular app that I use called Text Expander. Uh, on my Mac that has saved me hours and hours and hours. In fact, if I actually pull this up right now, it'll probably tell me how many hours I've saved. I'm just going to actually look at the statistics here. This says that it saved me, let's see, seven hours. And this is since I've installed it, I think, on, on this computer. So seven hours at 60 words a minute that it saved me. And most of that time saved has just been me typing the keyboard shortcut for my signature in an email. But over seven yeah. hours saved. So, the, taking advantage of keyboard shortcuts and that system on your phone. Will you tell our listeners one more time where they go in the the iPhone settings to set that up?
1: Yeah. Sorry, Android users, I have no idea. But <laughs> iPhone users, you would go to General, Keyboard, Text Replacements, and then from in there, you'd be able to to change the change the text to whatever you want it to be.
0: Perfect. And then and then the second thing that you mentioned was was to search and follow and engage with clients or potential clients based on locations you said those locations would be kind of a reflection of the type of target client that you're that you're searching for is that right
1: well yeah yeah so what happens is like for me anytime there's a panthers game that next day i'm gonna go on to i'm gonna look up bank of america stadium and i'm gonna search for and i'm just gonna scroll through until i like i know what my target bride looks like yeah like look look All of us know what our target bride looks like. Don't kid yourself. And so then you'll go through, and that's the one thing about Instagram. It allows you to be really picky. Like for me, it's hard to unfollow 400 people because I would say I follow one to 200 photographers that inspire me. Uh, Then I follow, you know, three to 400 random sports and other random stuff. But I would say almost... Six to seven thousand people are my target bride, and so it's hard for me because, like, I'll go through and I'll just find what my target bride looks like. It allows me to be super picky, and then I'll just start engaging with them. And and like, I mean, it's easy to do.
0: Now, just the last question for you: Give us some context. We were talking about the significance of time earlier in the conversation and making more time for family. And this is something that's important to me to being able to spend more time with the important people in my life. When I think about this type of engagement on Instagram, I would automatically assume that it's going to require hours and hours. I know that you've kind of hacked the system, especially with these keyboard shortcuts, but what would you say on average is the amount of time that you spend on Instagram a day that enables you to do this kind of work?
1: All right. So uh, if I go onto my phone and I swipe to the left, I will see uh, the, and I scroll all the way down, I get the screen time app, right? So screen time, if I look on the last seven days, how much time I've spent on Instagram in the last seven days, eight hours in 18 minutes, I think that's relatively low. Uh, This past week has kind of been a little bit low with the introduction of a child. So um, (laughs) uh, it's been a little bit crazy. I would say I maybe spend between 10 and 15 hours a week on Instagram. Now, all of you who think, oh my gosh, that's a lot of time please go to your app and see how much time you spend on Instagram. I guarantee it's almost 10 hours um, because we spend that time on there anyways. I've just learned how to leverage that time for my business. And so I've already done the math. So if I did 15, so let's say I spent 15 and a half hours. So 15.5 hours a week on Instagram times 52 weeks is 800 hours on Instagram. A lot of hours, right? Right. Generally, we spend a lot of that, anyways. Now, last year alone, two thousand and what's two thousand? What, what is that? Two thousand and eighteen. I made a hundred and nine. No, so, Instagram by itself generated one hundred and ninety-one thousand dollars of revenue. So, if I divide hundred and ninety-one thousand dollars by eight hundred and six uh, hours spent on Instagram, that's two hundred and thirty-seven dollars an hour generated from Instagram. Now, of course, I do other things like communication, so that gets diluted a little bit, but it still generated. So me spending eight hundred and six hours on Instagram a year, uh, or yeah, a year generated one hundred and ninety-one thousand dollars worth of revenue. And like for me, that changes the game. Instagram is no longer a social media app that I have. It is now my marketing, the marketing aspect of my business.
0: Wow. And I love, the again, the practicality of having actually figured out what that time is worth, too. That's not something that we do enough in the photography industry to actually consider the value of our time and and take the time to actually break it down, figure out how much time I'm spending doing this particular thing and how much revenue is that actually generating for me. And you talked about how editing, sitting in front of a computer, editing how you don't make any extra money as a result of doing that editing. But the time that you're spending on Instagram is, is truly and actually leading to revenue generated, which is really, oh, really yeah. cool. And, and to spend a couple hours a day doing something that's generating that much revenue for your business is, I think, more than time well spent. I think that's really powerful.
1: Yeah. We just hit May, right? We just hit May and Instagram so far has brought in 70 wedding leads and over $70,000. And it's just like, why that, that's the marketing aspect of my business. Like, of course I'm going to spend, what is that one to two hours a day on it? Like it's yeah. just now like, I well, and the reason why is because I spend one to two hours a day on Instagram anyways, like, <laughs> like don't kid yourself. Like you do too. Please go and swipe left on your phone and like swipe left to the, to the, screen time app, put it on seven days and see how much time average you have on seven days on your phone for Instagram. I guarantee like you'll look at that and go, dang, that actually is not that bad. So, or that's, that's a lot. Um, so it, yeah, we spend a lot of time on there anyways.
0: Well, I, this is your perspective is, is so extremely valuable, Devin. And, and I really appreciate you making time to share all of this with our listeners. I want to make sure that um they can come visit you on your website and social media check out the podcast so if you will just kind of share all of the links and we'll put these in the show notes
1: yeah uh it's sure it's uh, anchor and veil and then is the instagram stuff and then uh anchorededucation.co is where they can find just about everything else that uh, that we do with the podcast the youtube channel uh everything is pretty much anchor and veil photography uh we also have 944.com uh 9 f o r t y uh 4 Dot com Is my marketing firm. Uh, we are just about to launch the website. So, pretty pumped about that. For right now, we have like a temporary website up, um, but super pumped about that. It is It just finished. So, we're about to just really go, go in with that. So, I'm pumped about that. And then, Creativesummit.com is the conference K R E A T I V summit.com. So, a little bit of a twist on that, on the spelling of that, but I'm really excited about that too.
0: That's that's great. Well, we'll we'll try to get this episode out as quickly as possible. We'll make sure to put all these resources in the show notes at Boca B O K E H Podcast dot com for those of you listening in. Make sure you take advantage of the show notes. Lots of stuff there today. And uh, once again, thanks for making time to hang out with us today, Devin.
1: Oh man, thanks so much for having me on.